Welcome to Making Movies is Hard, a podcast about the everyday struggles of being an independent filmmaker. I'm Mark Russell. And I'm Timothy Plain. This week, we are very excited to welcome longtime listener, compadre, friend, fellow filmmaker, Tony Gapastone. Is that right? That's good. You say it however you want. I don't care. <laughs> Gapastone. Capastione. Capastione. Gapastone. Is that right? Gapastone? Just don't call me Gapastoner. Anything but Gapastoner and we're good. No Gapastoner. Is that what people used to call you in high school? Yeah, of course. So we've known Tony for a while. Um, back in... I don't know what year it was, but like probably year one of the podcast, we went to one of your creative crew events. It was before that we met Tony at the screening of Over My Dead Body. Because remember, we were off the Q&A and then Tony mentioned our podcast. Like, if you guys aren't listening to this podcast, you should check it out. That was our first touch with like, wow, somebody outside of our group of friends is listening. But that's in year one though, of the podcast. That was year one. That was Yeah, that was 2015. Because we started the podcast in June and that was like October or something like that. Yeah, you're right. First, that's it. That's it. Yeah, so really early in the podcast. Uh, yeah, we met Tony at a film festival. That's right. That was fun. And we get to see, his, I think, was that 1440 that we saw? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We were in the same block at the uh, San Jose Film Fest. And and ha- you hadn't seen, heard of the podcast before that. You just, um, or had you? I can't remember. Yeah, I had been listening because that, like, you had started it over the summer and I was listening. I forget how I found you guys. And then I think I found you were going to be screening in the same block as I was. And I was really stoked to meet you guys. And then, I think they were doing the Q&A and like, you know, it's always awkward to promote yourself. So I'm like, hey, why not promote a fellow filmmaker duo here and get your word out there? So I just, yeah, it was fun to shout you guys out. Oh, yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's all coming back to me now Um, because I think we might even interacted with you on Twitter or Facebook or something um, before the the screening. And then we got to meet you in person. That was that was awesome. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Uh, So. Anyways, Tony, you do a lot of things. I didn't really realize this until recently, but you you were an actor first, right? You just yes. started acting and yep. then you went into producing, directing, writing and doing all those other things. That's right, man. That's awesome. Um, well, just for people who um, don't know you, uh, can you just give us like a quick one minute bio of who you are, your background and what you do? Yeah. I'm from Chicago originally. That's where I started doing all my acting, theater, commercial stuff. And then I moved here to California ironically, to come to seminary. And I got ordained as a pastor and worked for 20 years for a church. But now I'm back to my roots and working full-time doing uh, acting, filmmaking, all that stuff, writing, directing here in the Bay. And I'm uh, married to my wife for 14 years and I have uh, uh, three daughters, which means I drink a lot of coffee. So that's my bio. Wow, that's (laughs) awesome. That's very concise. And (laughs) Somebody actually talked to the one-minute bio rule. Yeah. I don't think that's happened in, in a long time. I'm a director who likes my assistant directing schedule, so I'll 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 take what I can get. Um, I have a couple follow up questions. Um, so you 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 said you were a pastor for 20 years. Yeah. At what point in that um, career as a pastor did you start acting and start filmmaking? Was it in the very beginning, or was it like near the end, or how did it work? It's so, it's a funny story, and I would say I can still consider myself a pastor, even though I don't work with one particular church. But here's the deal: I mean, I'm, I'm sure some of your listeners might understand this, but when I was figuring out my faith, my life, what do I believe about God, and all this kind of stuff, I was super excited to be a part of a church and I was a young teenager at the time and I was I was my goal was to move to Hollywood and to be an actor 
But when I was involved in this church, you know, like a long time ago, there's still people who live in fear today, but a long, you know, 25 years ago, you know, Hollywood was like the devil, you know, and people were telling me, you, you are going to go to Hollywood. You're going to be tempted. You're going to end up a drug addict. It's just such a bad place. If you want to really use your creative gifts, you should use it, you know, in the church. That's the way that you, you know, can tell stories and act. And so, okay, for a while, I was like, all right with that. <laughs> I was all right with doing sketches on a Sunday or, or youth group mimes, you know, and things like that. Uh, so I actually ended up going, all right, I think my best work, if I want to affect change in the world, is to do ministry, to become a pastor and to have this ordination, get a master's in theology. And I really loved all that stuff. But the funny thing was, while, while I was working with this church, here in the Bay Area, there was a woman who was a nanny for a child actor, and she kept seeing some of the work that I was doing, and she kept saying, I think you love you love creativity and stuff. You should do more things. There's there's agencies in San Francisco. You should submit yourself. And at that point, it was like almost like she was tempting me to do drugs or something. I kept thinking like, what? I can't do that. What are people gonna think? That's not gonna get me, you know, any points in heaven type of thing, you know. Uh, but eventually, I this was even before you know you could send your pictures digitally. I submitted some pictures to an agency in an envelope with a stamp. And uh, they ended up calling me and representing me. So I started going out on auditions, but I kept it way on the down low. And then eventually I started realizing, wait a second, I love this. This is just as spiritual and meaningful and and um, honorable of affecting change by telling stories and relating to people on sets as the work that I was doing with the church. So I found a way to merge them together. And then over the past five years, as I started writing and directing my own stuff, while being a pastor and speaking on Sundays and stuff, I started finding like this was way, way more where I was supposed to be spending my time for my life's work is doing filmmaking full time. So I just launched off this year. Wow. So this is your first year as full time, um, just doing the filmmaking and everything? Got it. Yep. Wow. And so how are you able to survive just doing that full time? Are you, is it through acting jobs or through, um, making money off your movies like how, how is it happening that's everything man i mean you know how you guys do it with freelancing stuff i am gigging like you know i'm producing corporate stuff i'm doing a lot of uh, whatever i can i also do consulting for churches still so that's still a source of revenue and i speak with a lot of churches in the bay area but um, acting is probably my lowest <laughs> source of income right now which is why i started writing and directing my own stuff, you know, probably five or six years ago, because I was going like, I'd get four auditions a month, and maybe book one, maybe every other three months, every quarter. So I'm still auditioning and still putting some energy into acting. But I feel like in the Bay Area, it's really hard to survive on just acting alone, you kind of got to do everything. That's why I decided to spend my money, my own money, uh, which we are spending some of our savings right now living here in the Bay Area until I can get some Build, you know, build up some capital in my creative work. And hopefully that'll pay off. At one point, Tony, weren't you thinking about moving to LA? Yeah, I was. And what uh, happened there? Like what, what, what made you, or are you still considering it? Or did you just decide to stay here in the Bay Area? You know, you guys talk about that a lot here in the podcast too. Like, should, should I go? Should I not? Should I stay? And I felt I was, you know, plopped in the middle of that trying to figure out when I resigned from the church, from my church role earlier in this year, 2018, my wife and I were just talking like, this is probably the time, you know, if I'm going to do this full time, I probably should go to LA, right? That's what they say. 
Um, so we just did a lot of talking, thinking, praying, talking to mentors and friends. I have a lot of connections in LA trying to explore what do we do. But when it came down to it, you know, I'm 40 years old, 43 years old. I've got family, three kids. For me to start over and go to LA, you know, would be a huge step backwards. I don't want to PA and drive all over, you know, in the car for two hours doing gigs where I'm starting at, you know, six. Oh, but you'd be so good at it. <laughs> hey, I'd have fun if I didn't have, you know, three kids and a family <laughs> that might be yeah, different, know. you know, go. But uh, so that's why, um, because I, when people started sitting me down and like helping me make this decision, like, what do you really want to do? Filmmaking. That's what I want to do. I want to write, direct, I want to create, I want to produce. But I also am really known in this community of faith that I was a part of, which is a nonprofit, right? And people said, why don't you just start your own nonprofit? Why don't you create an arts organization that could merge these two worlds together so that you can be helping people uh, see their projects come to fruition? You could support people, mentor them, and then you could also work on your own film work at the same time. So that's how I decided to start this nonprofit called Brave Maker. So instead of going to L.A., and kind of starting over and working for other people, it was going to be, I'm going to stay here in the Bay, which I love. You know, I love the Bay Area. I know you guys too. And I want to see the Bay Area thrive and I want to see more film happen here. So why not be a part of instigating that and supporting the, the industry here in the Bay? So that's how it, that's how it was birthed, Brave Maker and not LA. Nice. Good transition into Brave Maker. Yeah, but I'm not ready yet. You oh, jumped again. man. You can't, I, gotta, I can't go on without addressing uh the la thing because yeah. what i've heard you know I, I don't think like that's like the cliche right like oh if i go back to la i have to start over i have to pa again i have to do all these things but i think there's a reality where that's not really the, the case um you know if you have experience producing or a career of doing other things and you know some people yeah you can get yourself some work that isn't just the the bottom of the barrel work you know and and I had this this conversation with the just shoot it guys because we were having coffee, uh, probably last year, and they were asking me like, you got you, like why don't you just move to Los Angeles? And I was like, oh, I don't want to start over. I don't want to PA do the whole thing. And they're like, yeah, but didn't you just like produce a broadcast spot or something? Like, dude, if you've produced a broadcast spot, you don't have to PA. You could just I, like I know lots of people who would hire you to work like as a production coordinator, or as a producer, or whatever. You know? And I was like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting so it's more about like being able to make your connection and, and get like you know situated there than it is about like i don't know if you're you know in your mid-30s and you already have a career as a filmmaker it's like you don't have to necessarily you know get coffee for bruce willis you know like that doesn't happen which sounds fascinating i'd love to get coffee for bruce willis <laughs> <laughs> but i think that you said there's still though a little bit of an on-ramp right so well, yeah. I mean, you'd have to work like, you know, that's the other thing is like, even if I did move to Los Angeles, I'd have to like spend like a year being a freelancer and hustling for jobs to yeah. survive, yeah. you know, and like get a foothold. Yeah. And then like, that's a year that I'm not focusing on filmmaking. Agreed. And that's maybe what I'm saying too. And I make the cliche statement about being a PA. I just don't have the time to really even give a year for the hustle down there with the with the current situation I'm in. So that's why I, I thought, let me just give the hustle up here where I already have way more connections. You know what I'm saying? And, and people know me, I have a 20 year history in the Bay area that I can leverage where down there. I, you know, I've only been going to LA since 2013 
every few months. So my connections are a little smaller, although I have them. So that's why I thought, yeah, LA is going to have to be on hold. I still love LA. I mean, please, you know, my uncle lives there. That's why it's so great. I get to go there and have a space to live and, you know, do meetings and make some connections. I love, love, love LA. But as a family person, it's also really difficult to imagine bringing my life you know, there or here, there because of, um, you know, all the challenges that it is to live in LA and raise families and have quality time as a family being, you know, the lately so huge and sprawling compared to the Bay Area where I can I can have multiple meetings, you know, all over the Bay in, in one day and not feel like I'm in the car the whole time. Right, right. Okay, so then, yeah, you're like thinking about Los Angeles and then instead you decide to start Brave Makers. Yeah. Brave Maker, yeah. excuse me. Yeah. Uh, this, this new organization. So tell us, like, what, like, how did that even happen? Like, how do you start a nonprofit organization? And and what were, was the goal behind the whole thing? Well, thankfully, through all of my uh, nonprofit work, you know, in here in the Bay with the church, I would, we've done a lot of like work with the poor and literacy. I've watched a lot of things happen where people start organizations and they have these, you know, missions and vision and value statements. And so I learned like, wow, over my 20 years here, that this is something I actually enjoy doing. I've got to help partner and launch a couple things couple initiatives and I thought, well, I just do the same thing with film. I love film. I love creating film. I think film's got this powerful ability to affect change and impact people's lives. And then I also felt like Brave Maker was sort of what I wish I had always had. Um, I mean, you, you know, when we had coffee a couple weeks ago, we were talking about how challenging it is to break into the industry, let alone a, like um, fellowships or cohorts or residencies, right? Like we've applied to whether it's Sundance or SF Film and all these things. And the competition is so steep. You're competing with people from all around the world for 40 spots sometimes. And so I thought, I wanna, I wanna just broaden the landscape for filmmakers here in the Bay Area. I wanna offer resources. I wanna offer you know, what I've learned, right? Just like what you guys are doing, putting information and stories and experience out there. I want to say, all right, hey, filmmakers, I know how challenging it is to make stuff. I know how many obstacles we have to face. So I'm going to create this entity to help you launch these projects, to help you conquer some of these obstacles. And I'm especially looking for people who are in some ways like disadvantaged because they don't know people like I. I didn't have any resources. I didn't grow up in the industry. I didn't have any friends really who took me under their wing or mentors, I should say, I had to like learn myself, you know, podcasting, listening to your podcast and all the other podcasts and reading books and watching videos on YouTube. Like that was my film school. So I wanted to create something like that for people here in the Bay that was going to you know, help people get their stuff done, but also make them feel seen and heard because it's a lonely space, you know, being a creator. That's why I really gravitated toward the word brave, right? We're filmmakers, but I think in order to really be a filmmaker, you got to be a brave maker. So that's kind of how it started. Nice. Can you tell us how this organization is structured? Yeah. Well, right now uh, I have a board of directors. So I have three people who are basically advising me and it's kind of crazy and intimidating. They get to like decide how much money I get to you know make from the organization uh, I am obviously the, the founder of the organization. I have um, a bunch of volunteers of eight different people who are serving with me right now. And we'll talk about the film fest, I think, at some point, right? But they're helping. We're starting a film fest uh, coming next year in June. So I have people who are 
basically helping the selection process, looking through submissions. And I've got two other people who are helping with the day-to-day work uh, where we do, you know, you came to our creative crew, which is our monthly meetup. That's come under the umbrella of Brave Maker. I'm doing like like one-on-one consultations. And we started a little internship with some college and high school students who come into my office uh, once or twice a week to talk about filmmaking, their writing scripts. I'm helping them punch up their their um, action and their dialogue and we're watching videos and stuff like that. So the organization day-to-day is about helping and elevating brave voices. So I'm specifically looking for people. Uh, like I want to help LGBTQ filmmakers, women, people of color, and that's the kind of stories we're actually trying to actually tell too, is stories you might not always hear or that maybe don't get into the mainstream way of the industry and filmmaking. And side note, uh, somebody was super generous to me to give me one year free rent. I have an amazing office space with like a creative room and editing suite and then my own space. So it's awesome. And um, yeah, the board of directors and these volunteers and myself, we're just raising funds right now. I haven't taken a salary from it quite yet. Uh, We are awaiting our federal approval for our 501c3, but the cool thing is the IRS lets you raise funds so that when you do get the the approval, all of the people who've donated get their uh, tax write-offs retroactively. So yeah, right now the day-to-day work is just hang with people, mentoring, building our network of donors, sharing the vision for what this looks like for the future. And the film fest will launch in June, and in February we're going to be doing monthly screenings with a like a one one feature film or a short block of films once a month to gather people to have conversations around meaningful and important topics. That's cool. So, what kind of services are you offering these filmmakers, and how are you finding them? How can they apply to be a part of this? Yeah, right now it's word of mouth and like through social media. I don't have any uh, official application yet. You know we've. I just officially launched it in June. So I've got so many people just through our creative crew meetup that I basically just say, hey, what do you need? You know, how can I help you? My experience is I've written, I've directed, I've produced, I've acted. So however I can help people, I'm saying come. Like I have a student right now as a senior in high school and she's applying to film schools and she has to write a bunch of films and uh, create a bunch of shorts. So basically she's been coming in and I'm helping or with that process, however she needs. We're, you know, we're talking about structure. We're talking about dialogue. It's just really fun for me because I really, really enjoy that. And then I'm inviting her to come on any shoot that I'm doing so she can learn behind the scenes stuff. Like I've got two gigs this next week. And I said, hey, just come with me. You know, I'm directing this piece and I'm doing this piece. And you can be, you know, you can basically PA and I'll let you learn. And maybe I'll put you in a scene, you know, so you can also see what it looks like to act. And then I've got another student from the Academy of Art who's doing some great stuff already. She's editing and uh, shooting and producing her own stuff, but she's not into the writing process at all. So I've been working with her. Like she's actually asked me if I would write some stuff for her. So I'm just kind of like trying to offer my services, like what I know, what I'm good at, however I can, you know, Um, I can offer my space to people. I've got space, you know, office space, uh, editing space or, meeting space, however I can help people, that's kind of what I'm doing right now. But you're there's going to be a limitation to how many people you can help. So maybe right now you don't have right. to be too 
stringent on like how many people you accept, but eventually you'll have to have some criteria. So what is that going to be as you're going through applications in the future? What are you going to be looking for and how are you going to kind of call down that list into the, the people that you can help the most? Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to figure that out. Like I, you know, I've applied like you guys, right. To so many grants and fellowships and some of those freaking applications are like, they take forever. It's so long, but I appreciate it because it does filter out who's serious and who's not. So I think some of the criteria I'm looking at is I want to look at what, what do you, what stories are you trying to tell? Is there a desire to talk about, you know, um, something that's going to bring awareness to our culture something that could potentially affect change in our political climate. I really want to make space for people of color to talk about. I, I love racial justice conversations because I feel like I've been so ignorant of them for so long. You know, as a, as a straight, cisgendered, white guy, I'm trying to figure out how do I enter this dialogue through filmmaking? You know, it's kind of a, a weird space right now to, to be a you know, a white guy trying to make a difference in film. And I think what I'm hearing from my friends, people of color and women is we need you to be an ally. Uh, the LGBTQ community needs you to be an ally to stand with us and let us tell our story. So that's part of the criteria I'm leaning toward is going, all right, I want to partner with you. I know it's difficult to make movies and get your stories out there. So I'm trying to make a little a little dent in the space for, for that to be a criteria. It sounds like an extension of your own filmmaking. Like all your films have some sort of social justice message to them, it seems. And so it makes sense that you'd want to find people who are making similar types of films and help support them. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely am drawn to that kind of uh, story. I'm, I'm so I'm, I'm curious again, um, backing up a little bit uh so you're raising funds for the um the nonprofit right yeah. now mm -hmm. but um what does that entail so you're, you're raising money just so the organization has funds to pay for all these things like is there a certain like series of goals that you have uh as far as your fundraising so you can allow the, the money to work for you in a certain way do you like know what your annual budget is for for the nonprofit, and you're like trying to make sure you have enough money in the coffers to meet that budget. Like, can you talk to us more in detail about exactly like what kind of fund you're raising and how you're going about it? Yeah, we're trying to raise, uh, this year's budget was 150,000 and next year's budget, we're trying to raise 250,000. And that, that money will go toward these, you know, these programs that we're trying to launch, uh, the, the film festival, um, you know, I would take a salary from that for my work and effort there. We want to hire, we're trying to hire two different people in the next year that can help bring organization administration, number one. And then I'd like to employ filmmakers, freelance filmmakers, because I'd like to be creating, you know, original content through Brave Maker, as well as just promotional branded content. So that's uh, that goal is being you know pitched through. We're having what we're calling like vision nights. I've had a couple so far where I'm inviting people to come hear the goal and the vision of what we're going to do for artists and filmmakers in the Bay Area. And just to be clear, we're really focusing on Bay Area filmmakers for the the uh, mentoring and supporting part. Obviously, we're here in the Bay Area, but I say that because other 
film organizations are open to whoever, right? You can, you know, for Sundance, for SF film, even you're competing with people from all over the country and sometimes the world. And so for Brave Maker, I'm being really specific. Our vision is for here. So people here that they can make an impact with the artists of our community and our region. I think that's really, really important. And then we're going to be doing the film screenings monthly and the film screenings will be happening in Redwood city. And I'm basically saying like, here's an opportunity to bring our community together, to bring community leaders, people from your neighborhood, people from your churches, people from your schools and workplaces together. Like, you know, you guys know how powerful film festivals can be. Imagine if this was like on a regular basis where we would have, uh, films that people can discuss things like immigration or things like anxiety or things like bullying or things like the, the Me Too movement. I really just want to make space for filmmakers to come share their films and talk about it and then offer opportunities for panel discussions and this sort of, you know, uh, community interaction type of thing. So when we pitch the budget to people, they're seeing that this is going to have a impact in our community, not only for artists and filmmakers to see and be mentored and support this under-resourced community, but also have opportunities that we can have like a really good civic engagement around the arts and these stories that are meaningful for our time. Nice. And then, um, so with the the with Brave Maker, you're eventually you're also going to try to produce some some of your own um, creative content through Brave Maker with these filmmakers. Like, so with Brave Maker acting as a production company. Is that the hope? Yeah, yeah, point? I'd say that. Yeah, I mean, uh, Brave. I want Brave Maker to be able to be creating just branded content. Like, what is Brave Maker about? How do we tell that story? Uh, whether it's like short little documentaries or short narrative type things, just promotional marketing things for sure. Uh, okay, you know what I mean. But I'm also so not necessarily like a show or a series that would be produced under Brave Maker that you could distribute. It would be more about just content that you could produce for the, the organization itself. I think what you, the first one you said, one idea has been tossed around. Like what if we did like a docu series on how filmmakers make their stuff, you know, how uh, people break in here and why they're doing it. I think that would be really fascinating and I would love to do that. I, I love producing stuff. So I hope Brave Maker down the road, my vision, eventually I have a three-year vision that we can build it up and I can take on I can invite someone to take on my role and lead the organization from the nonprofit standpoint so that I can work on my own film making that would hopefully produce profit to pour back into the nonprofit side. So that is something I'm still hoping and dreaming about. Yeah. So then the last question I have about this is just so <laughs> from somebody who's raising money for my own movie right now, and I know that you have your own projects that you're either producing or directing um, when you're raising money for this nonprofit, it's like now you can't raise any money for your movies. Like how, how are you making that work? Like, are you still able to do fundraising for your films while you're fundraising for the organization or are those just all on the back burner right now? Like while you focus on raising money for, for a brave maker? No, I'm doing both. Uh, right now I, like I'm doing these vision nights to invite people to the table to come become you know, financial partners for brave maker. But I'm also like I'm, you know, I just finished a, a feature film uh, that it's in its third. I did a third table read, probably in its twentieth draft, and I feel like it's finally ready to go. And I just had my first invitation for some investors to come. We did a live table read, like what you guys did when you did the alternate, and I'm turning that into a 
uh, a podcast where we're going to put some sound design and some foley and let people hear what it looks like or what it hear what it sounds like to do a table read and help envision the film. And basically, I'm I'm looking for private investors or an angel group to fund this film too. So I am doing both at the same time. It's a lot going on, but yeah, I'm not dropping my own stuff. I have I think these are mutually connected, and I think the reason why I felt like Brave Maker was the right thing to do was because it was also going to benefit my film work. Because I feel like I was at a, personally, I've been at a wall for a while. I mean, money is so hard to get, right? And I got like <laughs> yeah, no kidding. three, yeah, you know, <laughs> three, I have three feature films right now. And I'm like, okay, I, I could, any one of them could go, but like, I just need money. And so I, now I'm like, well, now I'm writing, you know, um, TV scripts. I have a writing partner who lives in LA and we're writing these, you know, TV pads. We have two already working on our third. But I can't go anywhere unless I get money. So I feel like Brave Maker was a good partner because I could put energy over here and see something actually be birthed and come to life while I'm also doing my own filmmaking that I think is going to come back and find some intersection where, like, you know, they talk about put the work out there and your support will come and people will find you. I think that's just kind of what I'm trying to leverage, like whatever I can do, however I can put stuff out into the world, that's that's what I'm trying to do. You seem so calm about this whole thing, but I'm wondering where the struggle is in all this. I want to hear the struggle, Tony. Oh my gosh, that's that doesn't sound like a struggle. It's so so much work. <laughs> it's so much work, you guys. It's it so seems much. like you're you're being a brave maker in your own way by like you know n- focusing on all these things that aren't generating you income while you you're raising a family. Totally. Um, yeah. You know, and putting yourself on the line for your dreams. You know, and having such big dreams because I mean it's one thing to 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 want to be a filmmaker. It's one thing to um you know want to get your own movies made, but it's another thing. I mean, I think we all like obviously Timothy and I want to help other people make their films and we want to com- contribute to the community and like share stories and lessons and, and, and build something here yeah. in the Bay area. I mean, that's why we've been doing yeah. this podcast for 175 episodes, you know, but it's one thing to do a podcast for, you know, an hour a week. It, it's another thing to, um, you know, create a nonprofit organi- organization and make it your life's work to, um, you know, help, um, filmmakers tell but their just stories to be so. completely transparent tony you draw some sort of salary from the the nonprofit. it's not to- you're not putting all your time into it for free once the nonprofit makes money you'll draw some money as a salary for doing it right yeah, yeah. oh for sure for sure yeah but 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 it hasn't but they don't have that money yet <laughs> yeah but it's the same thing as, as raising money for a film you don't get paid as the filmmaker until you've raised the money for the film right that's right. And that's the, I mean, I hope when you like, you need to hear like under all this stuff, like the struggle is that that's the work I'm doing right now. Like I'm going into my sixth month, you know, we don't, we don't have insurance. We're not going to, this, the, the whole thing is a struggle, but it's a, it's a struggle that's worth it for me. And, and I hope you guys hear, I, I started it because I felt like I needed it. Like I wished I had this. You guys know, like the film journey is a is a, a lonely journey. I feel like I'm continually asking people, obviously, for support for 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 literal for money. <laughs> I'm asking for their presence, and I'm putting my own projects out there. I'm even just kind of pitching and inviting people to come to my vision night. Sometimes I mean, I know a lot of people. I was a part of a large faith community. And it's so disheartening sometimes when, not only when you hear no, it's probably more disheartening with the silence because I think I hear more silence than I hear no, which I always interpret silence as a no. <laughs> so that that 
that space in my head and my heart is the biggest struggle. Uh, thankfully, I'm an eternal optimist, uh, but I'm married to an eternal realist. So I have always kept in check with the reality of like having these big dreams because, you know, you don't see a lot of it come like to fruition nor, or I should say you don't see it come fast. Sometimes when I get down on myself about like my filmmaking, I look back and go, well, at least, I mean, I did make some stuff. Like I made these five shorts. Okay. I got this to show and I got, and it, they went here, they went there. But in my mind, I'm like, I want more. I want bigger. I should it's have never enough though. You're always going to feel that way. And so, yeah, I mean, that's the, the the lesson for all of us is that you have to take some time and look back and be proud of what you've done. And at a certain point also just say like, man, I have achieved what I set out to do. If you like rewind the clock back to whenever you had these dreams and ambitions and you, you ask that person, and for me, it's like the 13 year old Timothy, how would you feel? How would he feel if I explained my life today and all the stuff that I've done? I think he'd be like, dude, you did it. Yeah. I also think like it's important to realize what you want your career to look like, you know? Um, and it's interesting for you, like after you've made these five movies and you're, you're struggling to get these other features made and you're hitting roadblocks, just like we all do. Um, it's really interesting to, to see the, the, the decision, the pivot you decide to make. You're like, no, I'm not going to give up on these films. I, I'm not going to, you know, hone in on, you know, whatever freelance directing more corporate video work, commercial work, whatever, whatever. There's so many pivots you could make off of like the being at the point where I can't get my feature made, like what else do I do? You know, like I, I found myself directing sitcoms randomly, you know, like that's sort of one of the things I'm doing with my time. But I just think it's fascinating that you're like, okay, uh, I'm going to pivot and I'm going to start this organization and be a CEO of a nonprofit and build this thing that is going to do good for the world. And, you know, I mean, I know Timothy says it doesn't sound like a struggle or risky or whatever, but I mean, let's be real here. There's like a big chance for failure. Um, any kind of nonprofit, especially something like this, um, you know, based in the arts, you know, um, and and you're not like, you don't have a, like, I, I don't know. Like, I think a lot of these, these organizations like SF Film and other um, bigger organizations, they have some sort of like... I don't know, some person or some entity involved with it that's got like some like kind of Jennifer clout Rainin, or some kind right? of Isn't that SF film, Jennifer Rainin Foundation. Yeah. Oh man, I just went to an event there uh, last week. It was so great. Uh, but then I walked out into North Beach and I was by myself and I was walking to my car and it was late at night and I just felt so depressed. I just left this amazing event, <laughs> but I felt so depressed. Cause I'm like, I'm not in there. I'm not in the in crowd here. I don't, you know what I mean? Like all these great people were chatting and talking no afterward. No one's, uh, no one's in the in crowd. <laughs> right? Right? I know. And I heard, overheard these people talking about the thing that I just applied to. Like they were saying, they're going to release, they're going to announce the thing next week. And we're so excited. And I was like, oh my gosh, just walk away, walk away, walk away, walk away. That, that's the, uh, are you talking about the residency yeah. program? Yeah. Yeah. I applied. I also. applied also. So. But I, I've, yeah, I've, I've applied oh, several times. But you did too, Timothy. <laughs> not Timothy. Not this year. You, you applied <laughs> this year. Last few years, but okay. Uh, okay. Okay. it's funny. Of the three of us, I would say Tony is the best shot of making it into something like that because your films are kind of very well suited to that environment. We're making like fantasy films. You know, they don't care about that stuff. I think they just care about, they, they do care about story, you know, so I don't know if they care what package. I mean, look at, they did Boots Riley's film and that was kind of fantasy and crazy. 
but it had a really cool sort of sort of so, social edge. I, I I used to think that that you know they don't care about sci-fi or or anything that's not social justice based or whatever. But um, talking to some people who went through the residency program and some of the people who run it. That doesn't seem to be the case at all. So, and then, yeah, obviously you watch, sorry to bother you. And it's like, oh, wow, that's some wild yeah, shit. Yeah, but it's right all there. about <laughs> corporations and power and um, upper class and lower class. I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff in there that, that you know, seems yeah. to me that fits really well into that world. But they're not going to go and make like a movie like the first Halloween. That's just not in their wheelhouse. No, right. No, right. not the first Halloween, but like I, I mean, I, to me, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a little bit too lofty, but I feel like the alternate has some kind of characteristics that are shared. You know, that have like that the hits that check some of those boxes. You know, because I'm talking about, you know, like this desire for you know a better life, and there's lots of like social issues I'm discussing within the characters, and like these two different realities, and like what does it mean to want to take something away from someone else yeah the things you think you deserve in life entitlement yeah so let's assume that all three of us have a chance at at getting into something like that why are we not getting that chance why why is it not open to us do you think you said inside crowd is that really what it is like you have to know somebody to get in there i mean (laughs) i think that helps i I mean i know people who are in there but i don't i don't think that means that i'm gonna get in (laughs) right i think too we're also we are competing we're competing not only with the bay area but we're competing with people all around the country because people literally move to san francisco for the residency or for the felt they they you know they relocate because they can so that's the crazy part like we're up against like someone from new york and chicago and all these different places there's only like 40 so are you are you saying what i am thinking that we're just not good enough well i guess that's a hard reality <laughs> to swallow you know i mean i know Alric is not going to get on board with that but i'll definitely say we're not good enough guys we're just not good enough to get into that i just i think there's a lot of good people out there though i'll just say that i think there's a lot of good storytellers and a lot of good stories and you know like we if you if they don't believe in you then you got to believe in yourself and you got to make it happen that's why i'm starting brave maker i'm like i'm I'm trying to make more space for people because there's enough, there's enough capital, there's enough generosity, there's enough uh, venues out in the world to be able to get these things made. So let's do it and let's just not wait on someone else and then get depressed when they don't accept you. So I'm telling myself that, 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 that advice that I'm wanting, <laughs> that I need to take for, for me, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing that's really important to remember about anything, like a fellowship program, our residency program, film festivals, whatever it is, like it's not about you not being good enough or you not being like qualified for the experience. It's just because there's so many yeah. people out there yeah. and not everyone can be a resident at SF Film. Not everyone can get into Sundance. Not everyone can, you know, whatever, you know, insert thing there. Yeah. <laughs> you can't be all at the Sundance Labs. Like there's, there's a certain room in the world for for people to do those things and it might not be you and it doesn't have anything to do with the quality of your script the quality of you as a person or anything it's just i think it comes down to this not being that much space no, and, don't say and then that, I think a, a lot of that it does have to do with the quality of your script and the quality of your story and the quality of your movie but if you're in the top one percent and you don't make it in then yes then yes maybe it's just the timing was bad but you have to have something 
No, but I mean, I don't think it's only, I mean, it's not only the quality of your work. Right. Correct. We, we know that. That's not going to guarantee you a slot in it. But if you have something that's not good enough, you will never make it in. The only chance you have of making it into any of those things is that the quality of your work oh, yeah. has to be up to that 1%. Right. I, I would be a little cynical and just say that, like, I mean, if you know the right person <laughs> and your work's not that great, there, well, yeah, okay, I'll go with you the right yeah but but i mean you know you, we would like to think that that's not true that like you know even if you know that person your work still has to be yeah at this, i actually have level. an example of that i probably shouldn't talk about on the podcast but i'll just say kind of just vaguely <laughs> there is a guy in the bay area that um had a, a movie i think that played at sundance maybe about 30 years ago at this point and he now has kind of like an acting improv class and he uses that class to make a movie every year. And it's like kind of just an improv movie with his students. And I think the students probably kind of pay some money to like make the funding for it. And this guy is able to screen those movies that he makes at film festivals every year just because he he's just been kind of long running doing this. But I saw one because my neighbor was in it and it was the worst movie I've ever seen. It was so bad. And I think the only reason it played at festival is not because of the quality of it, but just because this guy has a legacy. Right, right, right. I right. think that's the weird part sometimes about our industry is there is, I don't know, what do you call that? Like, is it nepotism when you're having, you're hiring people who are in your family? But what's it called if you're doing this people you know? I don't know. The, bias the nepotism or... version of just people that you know. Yeah, I think there is something there. There, like people sometimes. They, they can ride a wave right of the past of past fame you know that's why we have like c d f list type actors uh and there's a whole genre for that and people some people like that um i think there's a another thing too where you know you guys you hire people and so you might hire somebody who you like and who you know who might not be like the best person for the job because maybe they're a little bit cheaper um just because you have to uh, and it's better than hiring someone who's a total egotistical jerk who costs too much. You know what I mean? So I think that is something we're trying to navigate that we do on our own level all the time, right? I have to pick people for my gigs sometimes that I can afford uh, that maybe don't have exactly all the stuff that uh, the gear that I want them to have or the ability, you know, sometimes I'm picking up my, my DP because he doesn't have a car. You know, I'm like, oh, I'm willing to do that because this is what... Um, you know, what's offered right now. Yeah. The other thing I want to say about this whole like selection process is that filmmaking is so subjective that, you know, one person could read a script and think, Oh my God, this is the most brilliant thing in the world. And another person could read that same exact script and be like, Oh, this is total garbage. So it really, it really comes down to like the people who are reading it and their, um, you know, their interests and their like, you know, the way they view art and the script that you're pre presenting. And if it lines up, if like, what you like is what they like, then that will help give you a better shot, you know, but if they don't like what you're doing then, or the types of movies you want to make, then that, that'll, that'll hurt you, you know? So I think it's hard to say like, Oh, it's cause someone's work is better or your work's not good enough. It's like, maybe your work isn't just the thing that they want. You know, you never know. It's, there's so many different things going on. I, I will comment on just cause since we're taking, film submissions now for the Brave Maker Film Fest. And I'm looking over all these, you know, these short films and features. It, 
I would say it is important that people need to work their craft. <laughs> they need to know how to tell a good story. They, and I know everyone says like, it doesn't matter like what kind of things you shoot it on as long as the story is good. There's something to that. Yes. But if you're shooting something on an iPhone and it's not all that great, you know, it's like even doubly worse. You know what I mean? So I think the, the challenge is there's a lot of people making a lot of stuff. There is a lot of noise. It is subjective. But if you're not making something that's like worthy of being watched and the quality is bad, people are going to pass on you. And you sometimes don't have that many chances, I don't think. Like, I think um, if you're submitting to film festivals and people start seeing your name attached to certain things, I think, I mean, I don't think I'm going to be really intentional to watch all the, the submissions I have. At least I'll say that at this point when we only have like about 30 and we'll probably get max 100 by the time we select. But I think people make rash decisions. They see certain names, they see quality right away and they, they know like this is not what they want. So all that to say, I think we as filmmakers have to do due diligence and make stuff and learn. And before we expect, you know, our first, second or third project to be going to Sundance, just do some really good, honest evaluation about our work. And do we believe, and do other people believe that this could be the type of quality that we could see in a big screen like that? And if not, then don't submit yourself and don't get your expectations so high. Have a, like a realistic You're not going to fool anyone. Evaluation. If you know it's not good enough, don't submit it. Right. I mean, so this is a really great way to just talk about the, the, the film festival. So it's like, you know, you're doing this as part of Brave Maker. Um, how do you even get a film festival started? Like, what's the first step to getting this thing going? I mean, it's like any event, you know, uh, we got a date on the calendar uh, because I'm really involved in our city. I've been trying to work with our city and make sure like on the grander scale of the Redwood city, California, you know, docket of what's being offered. Can this not be competing with the salsa festival or, you know, the, the, the summer kickoff parade. So we got our date June 1st and 2nd, 2019, uh, then we secured some venues. We're renting a, a theater in the Cinemark, uh, Century 20 in Redwood City. We're renting a little black box live performance theater, and we're renting a church building. So we'll have three different venues all within a few blocks of each other downtown. Uh, then, you know, you start offering submission. Thankfully, Film Freeway is amazing. Did you guys hear that Without a Box is going away? No, I did not. Why is that? Yeah, it's going out of business. Uh, end of 2019, I think their last... Um, one to September 2019, they just had a big announcement that they're, they're out. Yeah, I thought they were owned by Amazon. Yeah, they were. Yep. So Film Freeway. Film Freeway killed. Yeah, them. Is that what yeah. Which I agree. I mean, I went with Film Freeway for Brave Maker because it's I use it all the time. It's way more film friendly. It's user friendly, and they do a great job with with um, film festivals with uh, making it really simple for filmmakers to submit. So yeah, we got up on Film Freeway and I love Film, film Freeway too because you have to really prove yourself because again, anybody could say, I'm doing a film festival and you show up to someone's garage. I mean, I've, I've, I've been to film fest like that. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> what? Where, does anyone even know who I am or, you know, or that I'm the filmmaker that, you know, gosh, like, uh, no. oh. I know. I have that feeling so many times, like uh, even like flying across the country to a film festival right. and being like, what's yeah. happening? Why am I <laughs> yeah. Off yeah. You're like, seriously, like just hoping that it's real when you show up. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, all that stuff, uh, you know, we're looking for partners and that's really fun too, is kind of just pitching the idea to businesses in Redwood city 
uh, that, hey, this is a cool thing you can put your name on and you can support. And people, you know, everyone likes movies and the idea of having like these fun panel discussions uh, and after parties. And um, so basically like throwing this event has been, I've been working on it since April. Uh, so like over a year in the making before it actually happens. Uh, so yeah, promoting it and watching films, gathering our volunteer team, the jurors, um, all that stuff. Like, it's just like, it's a big undertaking. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Do you already have your venue worked out and all that? Yeah, we just, uh, yeah, we just closed on the three different ones that we're going to be doing. And the next step would be is picking the films and programming them, but we're not, you know, we're taking film submissions until April, 2019 and we'll pick them all in April. I think April 30th is when we're going to program the festival. And we're like, one of the things we're trying to be different is like, you know, again, you guys have been to film fest, you know, the good ones and the bad ones. We just want to be a really good one. We want it to be worthwhile for the filmmakers. So we're trying to set up things for them where they can obviously have some really good Q and A's, just not like 10 seconds, you know, at the end of the film, we're trying to give them my vision for the future of Brave Maker is to give them access to people who could potentially fund their next film. I mean, we live in Silicon Valley or <laughs> right. goodness sake, like let's, let's leverage the, the wealth and generosity and innovation and creativity here. And I, I want to create a pitch tank through Brave Maker. So everybody who gets into the film festival then has access to talk to some angel investors about what their next project is to pitch it to them. Uh, and then here, I have a question about the venue. Yeah. So you said you have three venues. Yeah. Um, talk to me about proximity, because I think that's really important when you're having venues uh, for multiple venues for a film festival. Like how close are they together? Oh, it's, it's like two of them are like right across the street from one another. And then one is like three or four blocks away. So they're all like within okay. minutes. That's pretty good. Yeah. 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 And then do you have one where you're going to have like the main hub where like there'll be like a filmmaker's lounge and, you know, like a place for like conferences to happen and stuff like that? Or are they also all kind of spread out? Yeah, or? they're all, I mean, they're super close. I think the one hub that we'll have, um, so we're using a little small black box live theater, but it only has 70 seats. And then we've got a Century 20, one that has 200 seats. And then we have this church building that has two different rooms, one that can hold 150 and one that can hold 300. So I think we'll use this church building and turn kind of like if you've been to Sundance, how they turn the library into a film space is we're going to turn that into our, our, our main hub because it has, you know, such like a big space with multiple rooms and it's not being used by the general public either at the time. So yeah, like we'll have a green room and we'll, you know, space for concessions and our, um, our panel discussions and stuff. We want to do some live podcasting. So I invite you guys to come and do some live podcasting during the event. Timothy won't be with us, mm -hmm. but making movies is hard. We'll be there for sure in whatever form. Well, Timothy, we, you're invited to come still. He might come back as a guest co-host. You never know. I mean, I don't really want to make this about the podcast, but who knows what the podcast is going to be like in, in, in <laughs> when the film festival happens. Like Tony, can we talk about the finances of, of a film festival? Uh, like, are you asking for people to pay for a submission fee? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's like the, the normal, like there's 20, okay. 30, $40 submission, by the way, if any, any, uh, making movies hard, people, podcast listeners want to submit, I'll give you guys 50% off. I got a code for you. Do you want to say it right now? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, Brave, M-M-I-H. Brave, M-M-I-H. Makes us feel so special. So 
when you so if you're ra- how do i say this there's the cost of renting the venues does the submission fees cover that cost or do you have to depend on ticket sales no yeah it's a combination of both so i i, I have no problem being like transparent with finances i think it's important because people need to learn right uh just to rent the century 20 for the two days they're giving us a nonprofit discount it's five thousand dollars to rent the other venues they're giving us so far um one is going to be free the church building is going to be free and the uh the theater we're still negotiating but i've got five thousand dollars for two days yeah just two but two days we have it from like opening to closing Oh, that's actually a really good deal. Come to think of it, because I spent like a little less than half of that on like you know, a one night or whatever <laughs> at a at a theater. So, yeah, that's that's a good deal, man. And so if we do, you know, let's say we do tickets like fifteen fifteen dollars, you know, um, and we have uh, a thousand people come. I mean, that's pretty good that's fifteen thousand dollars for just ticket sales alone if we have a thousand and then how many but like how many screens are you gonna have in that those two days at the century theater so only one screen dude we only got one screen at the century 20 okay but like how many but how like through through opening to close like it's gonna be like what like you know eight movies or something or eight programs that you'll run well i was thinking in like in century so if we do if you think about like starting at 10, ending at 10 type of thing, I mean, that's 12 hours and you need like two plus hours to do a film with the Q&A and set up. So I'm thinking like maybe four or five, but it depends on what we oh, program. Right. You know what I mean? So Right. Especially if you want the Q&A yes. time. And we do. We want to, we want a good, I'm going to say like, like a lengthy, meaning like we want it to be more than 10 minutes, maybe around 20 or 30 to really give people like some meat around the bones, people can ask good questions and really chat about the the topic. So if you have three different venues, you know, and you can do four or five blocks. So, you know, I guess do the math. You've got about potential for 12 different films happening. uh, So you need roughly 83 people at each of those screenings to break even. That's a lot, dude. That's a lot to get a a first time film festival. How are you going to advertise for it? You have to spend money in advertising too? Yeah. Well, we're doing, we're looking for corporate sponsors. So I've got a whole corporate sponsor package and I've been asking for people to like a lot of, we we're in Silicon Valley. A lot of people, a lot of organizations have money that they can give to nonprofits to support stuff. And the arts, unfortunately, aren't always the first thing they give, but I'm trying to pitch like, this is so necessary. Like we need to see the arts supported. And here I live right by box. Um, the Chan Zuckerberg initiative is building a building right in our downtown, like a block away from the theater. So we're trying to get the word out to organizations that, Hey, you can sponsor this. You'll get perks. You get to come to the after parties, you get to meet the the filmmakers or the talent that comes. We're also like, we're dedicated to, because I've never had this experience. We're dedicated to, uh, one support the filmmakers that get in with uh, a stipend if they're local Bay area or if they're out of the Bay Area, that we will fly them up and put them in a hotel. So we're getting corporate sponsors and uh, having people donate them miles to fly people in. If you're a Bay Area person, you'd get some financial stipend. We're also removing the competitive nature of the film festival. So 
mean, how many times have you been to a film fest? You're like, I got in, yes. And all of a sudden, like, oh, I didn't win best whatever. And then you're deflated. So I'm trying to just go, let's get that crap out of the way and just be happy that you made it in and you get to show your film on a screen and remove all So that no garbage. awards. No awards. No awards. No awards, no awards ceremony, none of that. Just, it, we're going to do film, like, it's going to be filmmaker appreciation. You're going to feel good if you get in. We're going to give you swag. We're going to make sure your your name and your, your film is getting some press. We're going to give you space and time with panel discussions and after parties and really go, like, we want to help you. We want you to get your work done and, and appreciated and remove the the tension and anxiety of feeling like people you have to like vote for me and I'll make me best award and hope I get audience. It's like get rid of that. Just just let's just screen it, and enjoy it. You know what I mean? The the San Jose International Short Film Festival, the one that we we met mm-hmm. at, uh, they do a really great job of of bringing in the audiences. Um, I only went one year, but like every screening I went to was like at least more than half full yeah, at that century, and like. I think one of the reasons why they are so good at it is because they bring celebrity um, guests, you know? So are you doing that as well? Is that part of your plan? It is part of the plan to have some recognizable name and talent. Thankfully, I've got some friends who uh, have access. And I have a good friend who's an agent. He's the one who, funny thing is he, he's an agent in LA. We were friends for quite some time before I reckon I knew what kind of agent he was. Uh, like when I made my very first film, he got me Loretta Devine. I had no clue that he was even connected to a talent like that. So I will definitely be uh, asking for favors from my friends for sure to get people up here. Boots Riley. Yeah. Boots Riley. I'm just throwing it out there. Boots Riley. Cool. Get Boots. <laughs> Let's get him. I just met the producer or the head of development for Michael B. Jordan's company, Outlier Society. And I invited her to come. She was great. Oh, nice. So she's coming. Well, I invited her to come, and she said, I would love to come if I can. And she said, if I can't, I'll send somebody. So who knows? Oh, uh, okay. Well, you know, you could always get celebrity appearances by Timothy Plain and Ulrich Purcell. So uh, I told you. That's why I invited you. Come on. <laughs> a celebrity. Oh, man, that's so soft. That's a, such a soft word when it comes to us. <laughs> bring your bring your audience. Bring your brand. Yeah, man. Well, well I, I mean, I, I think we, we need to talk about this and start planning it now, but I would love um, to do like a proper live podcast where, um, you know, we, we had like space to do it for like, you know, an hour and a half and, you know, special guests and, uh, you know, questions, Q&A and the whole thing. And, you know, maybe even shoot it on video too, just as, uh, you know, a little extra bonus, you know. Yeah, maybe by that point people will miss me and it'll be like a comeback episode. <laughs> yes, right. yeah. that's it. That's people it. People already miss you and we haven't even stopped uh, showing episodes yet. Um, you know, but uh but yeah, I mean we'll see who who knows what it's going to be like. I mean, but uh, yeah, there's a chance that this might actually just be a thing where we have rotating co-hosts forever if I can't find somebody who wants to do it. So yeah, maybe you could just be the co-host for that for that yeah. episode. That sounds <laughs> fun. I like that idea. Rotating co-host. June first and second, Timothy. Put it in your calendar. Come on. <laughs> I'll put it I'll put it in my calendar. First and second, done. You got it. Um, all right. So the the other thing I wanted to ask about was so you're you're receiving films. Yeah. What kind of films have you been receiving and what has that experience been like so far of like looking at all these movies? It's so good, you guys. There's so many good, like, again, going back to there's so much good stuff out there. Uh, thankfully, you know, if you look at our film freeway submission, you know, site, the portal, there's, it's, it's specific kind of what we're looking for. You know, if we're called the Brave Maker Film Festival, 
We're looking for brave stories. We're looking to elevate brave characters and brave filmmakers themselves. Like I really am looking for filmmakers uh, of color and women and LGBTQ community. And so far, like some of the some of the films have been, I'd say about fifty percent. We have about twenty seven films submitted so far. Have been really great. Like there's some awesome stories. Um, uh, I can't. I don't know how to say names, but I'll talk about like there's a really amazing deportation story, which is super relevant to what's going on in our culture. That's actually that was actually filmed in California, in Northern California, and has a it's a fictional narrative, but just has a really relevant. Um, kind of call to action, uh, which I really have appreciated. Uh, some good Me Too stories, like a couple stand out. Uh, one, a, a woman documenting her telling her story of sexual assault uh, was pretty compelling and heartbreaking. Um, got two different, um, I got a really great short submitted by a gay filmmaker on his coming out story and uh and he's a person of color too so the, the all the stigmas that he had to face in his own cultural community um and then you know there's always like some like super you know random uh ones that you get that uh that don't quite fit but i appreciate i'm kind of holding back because i want to i want to write every filmmaker and give them like a piece of encouragement or maybe a piece of advice or some challenge i think there's some that have been submitted that don't fit the film festival and maybe even like i wonder like did they read what like what we were looking for because some i've received i go this is like a experimental art piece that should be like in the moma you know in a room with um you know marbles on the floor or something like that's their interpretation of what brave filmmaking is that's true. That's true. But yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm, I've been really happy and we are going to be, you know, still submitting for the next five, six, seven months. So I'm looking forward to seeing what else we get. Nice. Uh, and then the last question I had about this. So like, you know, you're a filmmaker and you're starting your own film festival. Uh, are you going to let yourself submit to your own festival? Like, how does it work? <laughs> you know, I mean, or is that you're just going to, or are you just going to let yourself like not apply? That's funny. I mean, Robert Redford does it, so I don't know why not. Hey, I haven't thought film. about it. I don't know, judges. Uh, you might want to take a look at it. Yeah. That's I don't right. know if it's good enough, but you guys tell me. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I think my first my first response might be, if I wrote it and directed it, I would I would feel too weird and too boasty to do that. I can, I, I'd rather rent a venue and have a separate you know, screening for it. Um, but if I'm like, I know I've, I've acted for a couple of projects in the Bay this year. And I was like, well, if they submitted it and I'm in it, is that weird? I think I would be more inclined to program one that I acted in, if it fit, if it was right, than one that I wrote and directed. I wouldn't want to take the spot away from someone else. And how are you doing the judge system? So you have screeners, but then are do you have like you and like five other people who are making the final decision? Or like, how are you doing your decision making? Yeah, we've got eight people right now uh, who are on the juror team where we meet once a month and kind of report back on the films we're watching. But the great thing is uh, Film Freeway has a really cool uh, system. So you watch the film and then you have a rating system afterward and you can modify it and adjust it to what you want. So we're looking for things like, um, you know, is it a brave story? Is it an inclusive cast? Uh, like talk about the cinematography. Why does this fit? Why does the writing fit or the, um, the subject matter fit into the Brave Maker Film Festival, and then you can rate it from one to ten. Uh, so we meet every month, and all this everything people can do it online too. So there's eight different people, and I'm actually looking to build it 
So uh, if there are people, if you guys, you know, wanted to, you have to be someone who uh, appreciates film, obviously, and has the time to watch. I'm asking for people to watch as many as they can. Um, and right now we're getting about one to one, I'd say one submission, one strong submission a week. And they're both features and documentaries. So people have to have the time to do that. So I am looking to grow the juror team as well. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm really interested in that. So we should talk more just because okay, cool. I think it would be really fun to, uh, to weigh in and have that experience of watching movies and, you know, being a part of a selection process for a film festival, just because I've never done it before. And I've, I've submitted so many movies to film festivals, you know, I think that um, it'd be fun to be on the other end for once. Yeah. I would love that. I'll tell you what, too, as a filmmaker, it is, it, it's super inspiring for me to look at like, wow, the, the work that is out there is good. And I know like if my film is sitting in this, you know, in this portal with the rest of these films, what would people think? Right. Cause uh, we have to know, we have to watch. That's how we learn. So I would highly recommend that, you know, as a filmmaker, watching other people's films because it's inspiring and sometimes discouraging and disheartening, but it's right. uh, challenging. And it's different than watching like, you know, an Amazon series or an HBO series or a, a movie that's released in theaters because those movies are made on at such a different level. It's like it's not the same kind of comparison, but if you're seeing something that's being submitted at the same level that you're at, basically, right. it's right. like, it's a much different sort of takeaway. So yeah. Yep. Um, so Timothy, you have any last final questions? Uh, last, for... last question. Tony, you've been listening to this podcast for three years. Yeah. How does it feel to finally be on it? <laughs> Is this everything you hoped it would be? I love it, man. It's a dream come true. I, re <laughs> I remember one time we were talking at another, I think we were at the frozen film festival. We were at the frozen film festival and, uh, Timothy, I think you said something, or maybe Ulrich, you said something like, you should come on the podcast. And Timothy, you were like, as long as you don't sell anything or promote anything, you can come on. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about and right. Here I am promoting something. What's going on? Well, I, got, I only have a few episodes left, so I just gave up the fight. And I was like, whatever. <laughs> you want Tony on? Fine, to have Tony on. <laughs> Tony's always selling something. He's <laughs> been uh, pushing back on Tony for years. <laughs> That's so, so true. <laughs> so, yeah. I, Kind yeah. of charm. I don't know. I feel like you're not really to me. It's like, okay, yeah, you're talking about Brave Maker, you're promoting your organization. But I mean, I think to me, it's really fascinating to like hear about how you're structuring this thing and, and why. And as a filmmaker, like, why would you do this? You know, because I think for me, um, it's so far away from where, what I'd want to do. I mean, sure, these, you know, things sound great and wonderful. And I, I would love for that to exist. But it doesn't feel like my place to do it, you know? Sure. Um, yeah. But I mean, that's why we're all different people and uh, we go in different, in different directions. Yep. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, thanks for having me on you guys. Yeah, dude. Yeah, well, thank you. Thanks, thanks for coming things. on. It was fun. And I think this is the right time to have you on. I'm glad we waited. And I'm glad I got to be on with Timothy. <laughs> right. Wouldn't it have been the same? Right. You? Come on. Um, so Tony, where can people find you? You can find me on my website, TonyGap, T-O-N-Y-G-A-P.com. I won't make you spell it out. How about that? T-O-N-Y-G-A-P.com. Or you can go to BraveMaker.com as well. And then the name of the festival is Brave Maker. So yeah, the Brave Maker Film Festival. Film, yeah. Freeway with that. And then the just again, the offer code is um, Bra Brave MMIH. You got it. Yeah, 50% off. Brave MMIH for 50% off. Yep.
And I want to invite too, if there's Bay Area filmmakers want to come meet up once a month, we do this creative meetup uh, the third Sunday night of every month. You guys came to it and showed your film. Very supportive, very positive. Yeah. There's no negative comments allowed, which That's is right. nice. So if That's you right. want a supportive environment, yeah, I recommend you go check that out. A lot of cool, creative, fun people that go to that thing. Well, cool, guys. Um, everyone listening, you can go to our website, makingmoviesishard.com, where you're going to find links to all the things we talked to Tony about, including links to that um, the the Redwood City meetup, yep. his film festival, his nonprofit. There'll be links to his short films, I'm sure. Everything that you ever want to know about Tony can be found on our website. You can contact Ulrich and I with the email podcast at makingmoviesishard.com or with the handle at MMIH podcast on Twitter and Facebook. And if you like the show, let a friend know. If you don't like the show, tweet at us, tell us on Facebook, let us know what we can do be, be doing better. Um, cool. That's about it, everyone. Tony, Ulrich, thank you. And everyone else, talk to you guys next week. And also a special thanks to Jonathan Cottrell, who's uh, ed- editing this episode. Thanks, Jonathan. He also did the Evan Cecil, um, uh, you know, death, uh, death episode, mm-hmm. the lasso episode. Um, shooting a good death. That's what it was called. Awesome. Um, thanks, Jonathan. So, yes. Thanks, Jonathan. And yeah, uh, you know, so we really appreciate people coming out and editing our podcast for us. It's oh my really God, such a huge, help. super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Have a good week.